0: good morning uh, we're about to jump back in the word i hope you've had an awesome week i say that every week but you know i really do hope you've had a good week it's been a busy one for me but a good one anyway we're coming here to jump in the word uh you want to talk about your week come tonight we can do that <laughs> but right now we're going to jump into the word so grab bible um we're going to go into 2 corinthians we've started a new study in that direction um called a cross shaped life that 's what we 're going to kind of be working through, and uh so we 've already been uh one one week in and we 've got several weeks to go, obviously, but this right now what we 're doing here we 're just talking about the word i 'm unpacking it. this is the time for us to get in there and uh look at what the word has to say, what God has to say tonight we 'll talk about what we have to say. love for you to come, we want to hear from you, we want to hear your thoughts, your questions. Be able to go a little bit deeper and talk through his words. So that's what we do at night. You can uh figure out where we are, hit us up online. We have social media of course and um websites and emails and tons of ways to find us. So uh contact us through there. We'll show you where we are. We're in Tempe, Arizona, and uh you're welcome to come hang out and talk through this with us and uh and pray. We spend a lot of time in prayer. Prayer is huge. So I really love for you to come. Anyway, the theme that we've been working through is actually from 1 Corinthians 2, 2, but it says, for I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we're holding on to that theme as we work straight through this text. But today we're going to continue to look at the cross-shaped life, but we're going to look at comfortable suffering, which sounds funny, I know, comfortable suffering. Um, and I don't mean by that that we're... Comfortable in the sense that we 're laid back on the couch with our feet up while we 're miserable that 's not what i 'm saying i 'm more talking about being able or finding yourself able uh, to find comfort um, in suffering. Nothing about the cross, for example, was comfortable, obviously nothing about living a life that 's shaped by the cross is comfortable either nothing about it but we're able to find comfort in the God of comfort who has given us that cross to bear, um, if you're a believer anyway, just as he did with his own son. He's given us a cross to bear uh, to die to ourselves, and no part of that's comfortable, but we're able to find comfort because of the God who uh, brings us comfort. That's what we're going to kind of dig into. Second Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to read a couple of verses, and then we're going to dig in here. put these glasses on for i can't see uh second corinthians 1 verse 3 says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by god let me pray lord thank you for this text thank you for your word god you are amazing pray today as i unpack this and uh, open it up that i'm opening your word and not my mouth that god what i'm learning is something that um, you're teaching me as well as others and i never want to take over teacher i always want to be student you're the teacher lord use your words to speak to all of us and i ask these things in christ's name amen um you ever been walking or hiking uh, with friends or family or whoever uh, with a group either way in the woods now we're in the desert over here so I don't know <laughs> maybe maybe you don't believe me but there are woods outside of where we live um but if you if you get into a place where there's woods and you're walking the person who's in the front has the privilege of leading the way which is great but they also get to scoop out all the cobwebs along the way um they if you've ever been that person you know what I mean it's like every you seem to be the one that catches all the spider webs that that people don't notice Um, so it's funny, there's a blessing and a curse, I guess, in that and leading the way for other people. And I know I'm kind of being silly, but, uh, several years ago, my wife and uh, one of my close friends, Forrest Taylor, went in together and got me a mountain bike. And I, I love that thing. I still have it. Love that bike. It was a nice bike. They got it for me for Christmas. And when they first got it, I rode it on every street around the city where we lived every street and every dirt road I could go down but I was a bit nervous about hitting the mountain you know a little bit nervous about jumping off rocks and all, all that kind of thing and I still remember the first time when Forrest took me uh, to to some off-road trails where we were literally up on some mountain spaces and things like that and it was his navigation through that that made me more free to enjoy and even take some risks as I was cranking up and down these hills because I'm, I'm watching him and I'm following him did it mean it was easy no didn't make it easy I still had to climb all those things but it meant I was able to push harder and even accept the risk a little bit and though it was possible that you know it could cause me pain at times I could fall and get hurt it was worth the reward at that stage of the game so what was the reward I get a trophy for it no it was the experience of doing it uh, that was the the reward, and Paul makes a case for something similar here. Only the stakes are way higher than a fall on a bike or a spider web. Uh, Paul's suffered, and he's shown an example for the Corinthians here so that they can suffer well and find comfort in Christ. So today. From Paul's example so many years ago that we're looking at, when we face suffering, we need to realize that God produces comfort or provides, excuse me, comfort, and he provides deliverance for us and it draws us nearer to him. But that's all so that our life will be an example to others who are experiencing or will experience the same struggle that we're having. Alright, that's where we're going today. Two reasons to embrace affliction. You know, that's the common, one of the common words in here. Two reasons to embrace affliction. God comforts the suffering and God delivers the dead. That's kind of our outline if we're going to look at it that way. God comforts the suffering. God delivers the dead. So God comforts the suffering first. As I read these passages, look at these repeated words. There's so many, uh, words in here that get repeated. For instance, father. Uh, Paul uses that word three times in the first two verses here. If you back up to verse two, three times in two verses. The word affliction or suffering, Paul uses it seven times in four verses here. The word comfort, ten times in four verses. Think he's trying to get a point across? Look at verse two. I know I backed up a verse, but look at verse two. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. What is mercies when He says that? It's it's a deep awareness of suffering. It means that you 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 feel it. You're part of it, and and you're merciful in that you're aware of that suffering. And what is comfort? Well, it means to console. And more. It means quite a bit more, and that's what we're going to really unpack today. So, but when he says th- this "father" word here, why use the word "father" repeatedly like that? You know, well, for one thing, who but God here is more aware of suffering, uh, or who other than God is more aware of the suffering of all of His people? He knows what they're going through, not just as some overlord, but as a father, as somebody who lives with them, as somebody who's present with them. And he is more able to comfort them in that way. Why? How does he know? Well, the cross. He knows because of the cross, only our God's truly able to comfort us because only our God has truly felt our hurt has truly felt our suffering, has truly walked in our pain. You know, Hebrews 2.15 makes that clear. I'm not going to read it. Isaiah 63.9 says, In all their affliction, He was afflicted. He has suffered with us. You know, that, that's, that's more of the role of a father than a conqueror God. Not that he's not that too, but Paul's trying to tell you he is a, a father. Paul uses the word comfort here. It's that word paraclete in, in Greek. It's the same word Jesus would use to refer to the Holy Spirit. He called him the comforter, Jesus said multiple times. And in that sense, it's only from God because it comes through him alone. In fact, you could argue it is him. Having his Holy Spirit provides that comfort. Verse 4, he says that the God of all comfort, who comforts us, Paul's including himself with them, by the way, and he says that us, all of us, in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those uh, who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So comfort, he says, look at that, he says it's in Uh, He comforts us in all our affliction so that we can comfort those in any affliction. He comforts us in all of our own struggles, afflictions, trials, tribulations, whatever. So that, that's not the end of it, so that we can comfort those who are in any, in any affliction. What's the whole point? The whole point is others. He's pointing at it left and right, that God comforts the suffering, but he does it for others, not just you. Look at verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. He points to Christ here. He's he's pointing to uh, Christ's suffering. How did Christ suffer? Well, obviously on the cross. How can affliction, even the cross, be related to comfort? He's saying we suffer, we, we, we share in His suffering and His cross. We also share in His comfort. The idea of comfort in affliction, it's literally the idea of resting in God's arms. This is the way that I like to picture it. It's not just, I know I can be at peace because I know it's going to work out or I know God's got this. It's not that. It's being able to, be able to rest in it while you're in the suffering whatever it looks like i love the way brendan manning described it in the ragamuffin Gospels, an older book but a great one um he's describing prayer and being comforted here but and, and he's talking about prayer in general but the imagery gets even greater if you imagine it in the context of suffering so let me read what he wrote he said a father is delighted when his little one leaving off her toys and friends runs to him and climbs into his arms As he holds his little one close to him, he cares little whether the child's looking around, her attention flitting from one thing to another, or just settling down to sleep. Essentially, the child is choosing to be with her father, confident of the love, the care, the security that is hers in those arms. Our prayer is much like that. We settle down in our father's arms, in his loving hands, Our mind, our thoughts, our imagination, it might flit around here and there. We might even fall asleep. But essentially, we're choosing for this time to remain intimately with our Father, giving ourselves to Him, receiving His love and care, and letting Him enjoy us as He will. What an amazing picture of what it means to be at comfort in affliction even to lay yourself in god's hands isaiah 66 13 says as one whom his mother comforts so i will comfort you god said look at verse six he says if we are afflicted it is for your comfort and salvation and if we are comforted it is for your comfort again paul talking to the church at corinth he says which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. How often do you go to the Bible? I'm just going to be harsh here and spit it right out because I've been wrestling with myself. How often do you go to the Bible to find comfort for somebody else? How often do you lay into the word, dig in desperately to find those verses that are going to bring comfort for somebody else? I think most often our desire is our own personal comfort. God, you've got to give me a word here, you know. It's our own well-being. Who can you think of that needs it more than you? Anybody? Who can you think of right now that needs that comfort more than you do. You know, if you can't think of anybody, then your prayer life needs to change. If you can't think of anybody, your prayer life needs to go from asking for comfort to asking who you can comfort. And if there is somebody, look, man, start right now. Start right now. If you need comfort, ask God to comfort you so that you can comfort that person, whoever it is. You know, I think, too, look back on some past moments in your life, okay? Take a minute and think back. Do it. Like, actively think back on your life. Moments have seemed horrible. Uh, if you're a believer. Moments that seemed horrible. Maybe even, like, the end-of-the-world moments. Never going to make it through this. You know, I'm not even sure I want to make it through this. Think about some of those moments. And, and, but yet now... From your present perspective, when you look back on it, those moments are a triumph of God in your life. Can you say that? Can you look back and say that? Those are moments that, yeah, they may have left scars. They may have, may have hurt. You may not be happy about it even now, but there's comfort in seeing how God was so alive in those times where he felt closer than ever in those times. You with me? You know what I'm saying? Now, Consider for a minute that all of that was for somebody else. What if all of that I just talked about that you just imagined and pictured was for somebody else? Christ suffered so that you and I might have the blessing of forgiveness, of salvation, of eternal life. That is what he suffered for. Paul says that he and Timothy, they're suffering for the sake of the Corinthians. And that the Corinthians are sharing in that suffering for them. Are you willing to suffer for somebody else? Are you willing to? I'll suffer for you, Lord. What, will you suffer for somebody else? Consider yourself a Christian. The term means little Christ. Are you a little Christ? What do you you expect Jesus had in mind when he said some of these things? Just think about what these mean in general. Uh, Take up your cross and follow me. You are the light of the world. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. Love your enemies. Take heart. I've overcome the world. You will suffer. But when the holy spirit the comforter comes he'll tell you what to say i'll sen- i send you out as sheep among wolves you know they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another i came not to be served but to serve others and as i was sent so i send you how does that make you think of yourself as a little Christ. How was Paul able to find this? You know what I mean? To to, to sit down in this suffering in some form of comfort. How how did he do? Well, he explains. You have this God who comforts the suffering, but then Paul breaks it down and says, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you how. God delivers the dead. Look at verse 8. For we, Paul and Timothy, he means there, and maybe whoever else is with him, but we know Timothy because he referenced him. So we, Paul and Timothy do not want you, Corinthians, to be unaware, brothers, call their family, brothers in Christ, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Now, we don't know what that is. There's no reason to speculate. But something bad happened. In fact, it was bad enough that, look what he says. He says, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. They were ready to die. Whatever it was was so bad that they had lost hope to the point that they were accepting death. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence. In fact, we thought that it was our time to go. But that was to make us, make us, convince us, force us to rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see what he said there? Not provides escape, raises the dead. See what he said? Obviously the cross of Christ, by the way, is not primarily about health, wealth, and personal satisfaction here or escaping death. Based on what Paul's saying, look what he's saying. It's not about deliverance from harassment he's talking about. It's not about pain, you know, getting out of that pain or that abuse. It's not about escaping poverty. It's not even about escaping, escaping physical death. That's not what he's saying. It's about the chains of spiritual death that he can escape from you know Hebrews 11:19 Abraham talks about or the author talks about how Abraham offered up his son Isaac knowing that God was able to raise the dead that even if Isaac were to die, God was able to raise him. It wasn't about escaping the act of death. It was that if he died, even then God could raise him. Uh, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are pushed into the fiery furnace. And they say that we know that God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we won't bow down to your idols. How does it make you feel, by the way, here? Hearing that Paul had a struggle like a bad struggle, that he was at the point of giving in to death. Does that disappoint you that Paul would say that? Like that he despaired even to die? You know, I don't think he's suicidal, but he's at the point of saying, I'm done here, let's just die and be be done with it. You feel like he's weak to admit that publicly? You ought to be thankful for it because now you know you can relate. (laughs) I'm just saying, maybe I'll just speak for me. You know, now you know you can relate. Paul was open about it because you need to hear that he's been there, all right? And that if God can lead him through it, then God can lead you through it. You need to be grateful that he's open and honest. It wouldn't do any good for Paul to tell you how to navigate through suffering if he had not suffered. And it would be of no use at all to you if he had struggled with it, but was too proud to tell you that he'd struggled with it. You ever heard somebody preach? You ever heard somebody preach that you just, you know they weren't genuine? You know they were just putting on their preacher garb or whatever, doing their thing, I don't know? You heard somebody sing a song that clearly meant nothing to them? You know? Or, on the other side, have you ever seen somebody trying to preach something and just falling apart while they're trying to do it? just struggling to get it out because of how it's hitting them. You ever been there when somebody goes totally off the script and and they're suddenly now admitting to a struggle because they they have to do it now. I have to I have to God has convicted me. I have to open up and, and let this out. You ever been around somebody who's choking to get through a song because it's so emotional, it's breaking them apart? What's the difference? they've been there who you know those people have been there they felt it and they're sharing it honestly with you that they've been there paul says in verse 10 he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us on him we've set our hope and he will deliver us again man amen to that paul's Comfort here, his certainty is no doubt because he's seen God do it before. He's seen God deliver people from death. Who? Well, Jesus, for one, he saw Jesus alive, and yet he also saw Jesus crucified. The cross continues to shape Paul's life right here. And it should do the same for us. When we're afraid, when death seems like it's a real, genuine possibility if you reach that stage of the game, let the cross shape you. It should shape us. If God raised Christ from death on a cross, if God raised Christ from death on a cross, he will certainly deliver us. And in those moments, you might just shock the whole world because you have this comfort and this peace in the middle of it. Why? How? Well, because you know that death is not the end. You know death may come, but that's not the finish. The grave is not the stopping point for Satan. Think about this; it's a lose lose situation for him. It's, it's a lose lose situation. Uh, a couple of uh, musicians I love that have some great lyrics. One band called Demon Hunter that's a Christian rock band, but they say they have a lyric. They said, "Where is the enemy when death is on my side?" Think about that for a minute. That's not scripture. This is a lyric, but man, isn't it a good one? Where is the enemy when death is on my side? Or how about this one? Uh, Lee, a Christian rap artist wrote this. He said, what they gonna do? What? Murder us? What murder does is send a search of us, a surge of us to go put churches up. Man. The fact that God does deliver us from death, spiritually though, it should not give us a death wish. It shouldn't make us race towards death. Well, the grave's not the end. I know I get to go to heaven, so I can't wait to die. No, it should push us. It should push us to face suffering more freely. It should shove us into the face of suffering, knowing that death is not the end. That that That's where the comfort comes from. That's what Paul's talking about. He has delivered us. He is delivering us. And he will deliver us. Again and again. And when we breathe our last breath, even then, he will deliver us. Look at verse 11, last one. He says, "...you also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many." Prayer is the tool. They're, they're here in this last verse. He says prayer two times in one verse. Prayer is the tool for finding all of this in reality. I'm just straight telling you. Prayer unites us. Prayer brings us together. When God is answering prayer in our lives, He's also answering prayer for those who have been praying for us. It brings us together to celebrate the way God answered prayer because we're all in it together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Prayer unites us in ministry, no matter how far the distance is between us. And unity has been a common thread through what he's been saying. Verse seven, he talked about how we suffer together. We're comforted together. He talks about how we share in Christ's sufferings here. Listen, the suffering he's talking about is not your skin color, you know, being harassed because of the color of your skin. It's not your sexual preference. Or any of that kind of talk. It's not because you're a nerd or because you're unpopular. That's not it. It's not because you were raised in the rough part of town or because you're poor. It's got nothing to do with That's not the kind of suffering he's talking about. The suffering he's talking about is because you are in Christ and Christ is in you. That's the suffering. Suffering because that's the affliction of being in Christ and Christ being in you. Which is also comforting that Christ is in you. That's the reason these two are tied together. You are afflicted because Christ is in you and the world hates him, but you're also comforted because Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is in you. It's because of your association with the one who carried the shame of the cross. It's because you are associated with the one who carried the shame of the cross. And guess what? Now you carry one too. You have been crucified with Christ and you carry a cross too. It's your association with him. It's your identity in him. So the more suffering you face for it, the more evidence that is that you look like him, FYI. The more suffering you face for your association, your identity in Christ, the more evidence there is that you look like him. But you is plural. In my language here, you as a group, all of us, the church, we're not alone. Paul's talking to a group of people, not an individual person named Corinth. He's talking to Corinthians. He's saying, you guys, your identity is in Christ individually and as a whole, and you suffer together. You pray together. God answers our prayers together, all of us. God works through our prayers together, all of us. God comforts all of us, no matter how far the distance. So if this all be true, man, then what should our view of affliction and suffering be like? Should we be considering it a curse when, stu- when horrible things start to happen to us? Should we start thinking, oh, well, what's the sin in my life that this is going on? Isn't that what we do though? God, where did I step off? God, where did I mess up, man? What, what am I doing wrong? Oh, I got to get back in the Bible. I got to pray more. I got, you know, that's the way we see it, and we celebrate when we call it blessing. When there's plenty of money in the bank and blessing when our finances and our investments are taken care of or making money. We, we call it blessing when we're being successful. We call it blessing when everybody's listening to us and everybody likes us. We call it blessing when the stage gets bigger and the audience gets bigger. You know, we call it blessing when we're happy all the time and there's nothing challenging us at all. That's not the way it is. We should be like Peter, like Paul, like James. They all said things about how there was great joy and great blessing in suffering with Christ. Or being considered worthy to suffer with Christ. Uh, Psalm 119.71, one of my favorite verses, just because it's so powerful in in such a simple little statement. It says, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes or your word, your rules. It's good for me that I was afflicted so I might learn your word. Man, again, it's for the benefit of being associated with Christ. It's for the benefit of growing our faith. It's for the benefit of feeling the comfort and the closeness of God. It's for the benefit of guiding others through. It's for the benefit of guiding others through. One more time. It's for the benefit of guiding others through. That's what Paul would say. You know somebody's facing cancer? you already been there. Can you comfort them? You think they're going to listen to you? Yes. Over somebody who's never been there? Even a doctor that's an expert in that area, but's never had that issue themselves. I guarantee you they're going to hear you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, take your pick. You know somebody who's suffered the loss of a child? An Un- unimaginable thought. Who do they listen to? You've been there? Is that something you've been through? Bet they'll listen to you. Man, maybe you didn't grow up in a home with parents who were comforting maybe father in general is not a positive word for you um maybe for you life seems like it's always been suffering i don't know maybe you feel like you've been afflicted as long as you've been on the earth maybe what you need to hear is someone who will just sit down and listen to your hurt maybe you need somebody who'll see your suffering look at it and see you right where you are maybe you want somebody who's just going to hold you for a minute man Just wrap you up in their arms, man. Maybe grab your head and just hold you close and just tell you, hey, man, you're okay. Hey, you're safe. You're safe right here. This is who we worship. This is the father of comfort. That's what he does. That's who we're talking about. Can you let go? Can you trust him? Can you just trust Him? Can you let yourself be comforted? I don't know where you're at today, but can you do that? His Word says if you're uh, confess if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. If you speak and you tell him, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know these things have been a part of my life. I know who I am. I don't want it anymore. Father, forgive me. His word says he is faithful and just to do that. He is the father that you never had. He's the one that's going to scoop you up and hold you in his arms and tell you your sins are forgiven. He's the sacrifice that makes that possible because you could never do it yourself. he's the comforter for your suffering he's the one that says you might suffer again but i'll walk through every step of it with you because i've already been there can you trust him trust him with your life today tell him please and then tell us let us pray for you lord i love you i thank you for your word it's just so awesome thank you for the privilege of being in it look forward to tonight and spending time together with uh, family here in tempe arizona and being able to just pray to be able to hug each other lord to be able to encourage each other to to let our family here know listen you're not alone lord i look forward to the comfort that continues to come from you and i pray god i don't i'm not trying to race into suffering but god i pray that if we do we're able to recognize that that just makes us look more like you provided that our suffering is because of our identity in Christ. I love you, Lord, and I ask all these things for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.